This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins a national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Morning, Bob. I guess your phone is working. I know you're on the line right now here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. How you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing well. Doing well. He does say he sounds loud and clear. I was a little nervous that wasn't going to work, but it does work. Um, have we seen a re- Do you believe in a turnaround from Arkansas basketball right now? And it isn't just a win over Texas A&M. It's, it's effort. Uh, Playing well three of the last four games, independent of that Tennessee game, looks like the team's bought in. Do you buy into the idea of a, of a turnaround, however late in the season it might be? Well, I think I think they've definitely been playing better, and the schedule um, is favorable coming up. They've got Missouri and Vanderbilt at home. Those are two teams blowing in the standings. They obviously already won at Missouri. That doesn't mean they're going to beat them here because we've seen the league be pretty unpredictable with you know, LSU went at A&M, then A&M went at LSU, and uh, Kentucky went at Florida, and Florida went at Kentucky, and <clears throat> excuse me, you can probably throw in some other things there. But, yeah, there's no doubt they've played well the last two games. They had, they had a real shot to win at Mississippi State. You know, Tremont Mark and Caleb Fowl don't foul out late in that game at Starkville. You know, I wonder what would have happened. Um, you know, Mississippi State still might have won. But, uh, you know, Arkansas has been playing shorthand without Jalen Graham had been playing well. Yeah, Metafield's obviously had his moments. And Trevor Brazil's been out for forever, it seems like. And uh, he's had some good games, had some games that weren't so good. But, you know, the fact they're doing this, uh, you know, with a depleted roster, to me, makes it even more impressive. But, yeah, I think you have to give Eric Musselman and staff and the players a lot of credit for hanging in there and, and not uh, giving up like, like, like a lot of people probably thought they, they might have. Uh, Bob, how much of this is based on that we've had injuries? You know, we we went small ball the last couple of games. Is it kind of just by default? But we've looked better as far as f- floor spacing. Uh, and, and and then when they got a four on one of our guards, whether it be Davenport or our blocker, you can get mixed up. It seems like our, our floor spacing is better on offense with this four guard lineup. Yeah, I mean, you, you you got some older guys. You also have some younger guys like like Layden Blocker, like you mentioned. Um, and, and maybe it depends on matchups. I don't know if this would have worked so well against Tennessee. They're a little more big and physical. But, you know, Mississippi State has some older physical guys, and, and so does A&M. And maybe they're just, you know, I take Davenport, Jeremiah Davenport's a guy that's impressed me, you know, 6'6 shooting guard, basically. Um, he's played a lot of power forward. May seem, fly, I mean, literally flying in the integration the offensive boards and, that was probably to me the most impressive thing about what they did at A and M. Well, one they 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 control Wade Taylor. The guy scores forty one here and scored eleven the other night. But um, I think the Aggies only out rebound them forty seven to forty, which A uh, and M I think is like about a plus ten. I'd have to look it up again. But you know they they killed Arkansas on the boards here, and their game is offensive rebounding, second chance points, and Arkansas outscored them nineteen to seven in second chance points. That was probably as big a stat as anything, along with Arkansas knocking down their free throws and obviously playing good defense and controlling A&M's top scores. But, yeah, this group seems, you know, the other night, Debo got in foul trouble and didn't play very much, maybe seven minutes. 
so they they really went with about seven guys, and that's kind of what Eric likes to do. Has liked to done it, has liked to done it in the past, but hadn't been able to do it this year because he's trying so many combinations. But um, I think short on the bench has probably helped. I don't know what their health situation is going to be going into Missouri. We're talking to Eric later today, but uh, yeah, certainly for these last couple of games, and really the first half against Tennessee, they played pretty well too. They obviously had a horrible second half against Tennessee, but maybe they have found something here. I'm not saying they're going to go, you know, get an NCAA tournament at large a bit, but they certainly can can, can finish strong here if, if they keep playing like this. You'd hit on something that I think we've all noticed here. You know, I mean, Muss is just, he's, he seems to be, he's always been more comfortable with a short rotation. Seven, maybe eight. Now there's no choice. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect Graham is playing Saturday or Brazil, and I don't know the situation with Manyfield right now. So, I mean, you've, you've got, you know, it, you're, you're, you're down to eight, basically out of, uh, out of necessity right now. But then that can also lead to, I don't know, I mean, players feeling a little, a little differently about their ability to stay on the court if they make a mistake and playing a little more instinctual, I guess. Now, that can coincide p- potentially with, you know, maybe this team is just starting to figure it out a little bit later than usual. But, you know, these things coming together at the same time, that's got something to do with why they're playing as well as they are. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody asked Eric the other night about, about Battle, who had gone through a stretch of not playing much, and then he's playing a lot lately. And part of it is, you know, I think Eric liked the, said he liked the matchup he'd have at Mississippi State, and then he played while well, he had 18 points, fouled out. And at A and M, you know, he was three of fifteen, which sort of feels not good. But he knocked down nine, ten free throws. He got some steals, some rebounds, some assists. He was active. Um, probably, maybe should have got a few more free throws. Uh, possibly, I thought he took the ball the hole pretty aggressively. Tried to draw fouls, certainly. But maybe a part of it. So a part of it is he's he's playing better, and I think he's playing better defensive. So the choices. So um, yeah. So I think this is probably. Rotation he's going to ride with again on Saturday, and we'll see how that goes. But um, you know, I think you know, obviously, when you win, everybody feels better. But um, I think they gained some confidence in that Mississippi State loss. You don't want to lose, and they're not into moral victories. I get all that, but but they did play well. Obviously, Makai Mitchell's playing his best basketball that he's ever played in Arkansas, and really outside of Tennessee game where uh, he didn't play a lot of minutes, he's played like Eric said, he's been one of the best big men in the league. And the numbers he's he's putting up are really impressive. I know he's played off the bench, but he's playing a lot of minutes. You know, he, fought, he played off the bench Mississippi State, 23, fouled out. So you can't uh, complain about that. And he had 33 minutes the other night, I think. So um, if he's playing well off the bench, what, why change things? I think they're like Chandler Lawson starting the game because he's very steady, plays good defense. You look at Chandler, he doesn't score a lot, but he usually gets some good rebounds, gets some block shots, has some assists, he moves the ball. And so I think they kind of like how Chandler starts off and then bringing in Makai gives him a boost. A lot of times people think about maybe a scoring guard like you know, like Battle was that sixth man uh, earlier in the season. And like J.D. Note was that way when, when, when he earlier in his career before he became a starter. And But, uh, you know, maybe Makai Mitchell's their sixth man right now as a big man. You know, kind of like, like comparing to Bill Walton, but kind of like Bill Walton was late in his career at the Celtics. He was a big man that uh, gave a good spark off the bench. Bob, I was trying to think of uh, some other players in, in Arkansas history, even if it's in the last 10 years or so, 
uh, and, and I couldn't really, re- really come up with one. Maybe you can. I love seeing players grow. I love seeing it. The the light switch, it flick on, and then all of a sudden, they, they and, and Mikhail, he, he, Mikhail, he's been able to sustain it. Is there any players in the last few years that you can remember this late? Because a lot of times you'll see it, like you hope to see it from Blocker next year. You hope to see it from your quarterback from year one to year two that they make that jump. But the jump he's made and the way he's been playing – uh, ha- has just been out of his mind. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Of course, part of the problem is if guys don't play much, sometimes they, they don't stick around. Um, and then, of course, you have guys guys coming in. Um, I thought Isaiah Joe made a big jump from his freshman to his sophomore year. Of course, mm-hmm. he was a very good he was a very good player as a freshman, but then as a sophomore, he was really good, good enough to leave and go to the pros. You know, Mason Jones made a big, a big jump. Uh, I guess it would have been his junior year, his first year in the months when he was co-SEC Player of the Year. But um, yeah, you're right. Um, it, it's like you know, Makai played last year and he started and he played pretty good minutes, had some big games. But really, the last probably seven last eight games, I'd have to add it up. But he's put up big, big numbers. You know, double doubles and had a career high. Uh, 21 and then 22 and uh, another career high. Um, personally, it bugs me. I was did a stuff my chest when people say new career highs or new this or new records. If it's a career high, it's a record. It's new, so it's redundant. So just say it's a career high. <laughs> say it's a record. Don't say it's a new record. It just, it just sort of that's my pet peeve. I guess that's the editor in me. But yeah, Makai Mitchell, you know, playing and, and I, the way he shoots free throws. Like the other night, they obviously had to shoot free throws to close it out and. Marks, he's a real good free throw shooter. You know, he did well, but he missed one lake. Uh, Battle missed one lake. And Mitchell goes up and just drops him like he's Rick Barry or something. Of course, he's not doing it granny style. Or Larry Bird or something. I mean, he just dropped him in so confidently. And when you have a big man who gets fouled a lot, who's, you know, shooting 80% or whatever the heck he is over the stretch, that, that's such a huge plus. Because you see a lot of guys go up there and they clunk it and they're hitting 5 out of 10 or you know, 5 out of 12 or something. Man, McKay just goes up there and he just buries them. And it's really such a uh, a luxury, I think, such a plus to have a big man who's, who's hitting free throws so well. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas is the perfect destination for your next getaway. Join them for a romantic Valentine's Day getaway with a special dinner or romance package. Or if you're coming to town for live racing, they've got room for you every weekend, including Martin Luther King Day weekend and President's Day weekend. Experience all the luxury and hospitality of a Grand Southern Hotel. The accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more details. That's ArlingtonHotel.com. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile device. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team. And remember to use the promo code BELIEVE. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. The game starts here. Baseball team should be arriving in Arlington right about now. I was told it is a 7 o'clock bus trip from campus. So it's about, I think, five, five and a half hours. So maybe they're, maybe they're close. Close enough where you can just smell the fumes of the traffic in the DFW Metroplex. Oh, they, they left at 0700, what you're saying. That's exactly right. 
Um, probably, I guess that'll be the only bus trip you take this year. You know, get these guys ready for those who will play in the minor leagues uh, the way you usually travel, but most of the other places that we go are far enough where we'll be on the charter flight. So, uh, man, I'm, I'm glad I'm with women's basketball for the start of this trip because five hours on the bus would make me get in the car and drive it. If there's one thing... Now, look, there are some things I miss about, about working in, in professional baseball, minor league baseball. Uh, sometimes, you know, 56 games to 70 games isn't quite enough to whet my appetite, but it's enough to at least make me, you know, love what I'm doing. I miss, I miss at least 100 games. Um, I don't miss the road. I don't miss the bus rides at all. Like, that's, that is, um, I'll fall asleep on a bus, but I won't feel really good when I wake up. Those, uh, those bus rides are... Kind of for the birds, so I'm, I'm glad that they're doing it, and, and I'm not. Uh, let's see. I'd seen, and I mentioned this earlier in the show, I like the idea, Nick Saban retiring. So it's like he's been chased out of this job uh, by the changes in college football, and, and I think that's part of it. I think his age and level of success also are part of it, but I think the change is also uh, part of it then he didn't necessarily feel that he needed to stick around and deal with these changes but he says matt he wants to be a voice for change in college football you know what we don't have in this sport you don't have a person whose voice resonates the loudest because it comes with um with authority you know in basketball there's it's like there's a almost a quasi commissioner of, of NCAA D1 basketball it's it's uh, Gavitt Dan Gavitt who runs the the tournament you know so if you run the tournament of NCAA basketball you run the championship who runs the championship of college football Bill Hancock but he's not some you know he's not he doesn't act like a commissioner if you were to pick one person to do this would you you know would Nick Saban be the guy you would want to listen to because he wants to be the quote voice for change in college football unquote yeah i mean you got i think i like that the fact that he's part of it even if there's a committee or whoever you're gonna have be i mean who's seen more ball i mean he, he's been around it uh for for a long time uh i think what what his his point of view his insight would be very useful absolutely well, I wonder if he's in on this advisory board that the SEC and Big Ten have formed. And I know that that's supposed to be uh, about the, the the potential changes within the structure of the NCAA and, and college sports, but it really feels like it's more about a some sort of a restructuring of college football, and then you let the pieces fall where they may after that. Um, Saban says he loves the players, that he wants to be a voice for the players. Um, but at the same time, he, he, he mentions how, you know, we, he wants to get to a place to where you're, it's not about how much money can I make in college, that it's supposed to be about development. It's supposed to be about, um, you know, growth as a, as a person, as a man for football players. Um, it's supposed to be about education and, and building for your future. And all of those things are true. But I also, I, I won't, I can't stop at the idea of we are, we are two years away from another new contract with the college football playoff that is going to, I don't know, it'll probably dwarf the amount of money that you're making right now through the playoff that each school, that each conference is making through it. And we're constantly told 
you know, this, if it's about market value, that we're supposed to be able to go out and get exactly as much as you possibly can. That's that's what a lot of these deals are about. You know, with the the new deal for the SEC across ESPN, for all the new deals the Big Ten worked out, the Big 12 still making more money. Um, they're doing it for monetary purposes. If the schools and the presidents and the ADs and the coaches set the example that it's about the money, the players are then following suit when it can finally, for them, be about the money. So... I don't know. Maybe there's got to be a different way to communicate this. Because um, I really don't know if you can be in a place where one aspect of college football, college sports, is all about the money, but yet the labor aspect of it is not supposed to be about the money. It's a, it's a disconnect for me, Matt. Yeah, it's a, it's a minor league system now. It's, you're right, I think, with uh, dropping the student part. Um, it's I, I I don't understand it that that well I don't I, I don't guess but it's um it, it's they're able to put it out front I mean w- w- didn't Manziel come out which I, I take everything Manziel says you you kind of there, there's probably some truth to it but he said A and M came out and offered his pops three million dollars if he'd stay for the his last two years and looking back on it he probably wasn't mature enough wasn't ready enough he should have stayed you know and and that's what i, I really thought the nil is going to help quarterbacks more than any position uh in, in 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 football but then the 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 women's aspect as well caitlin clark makes more money staying at college college basketball imagine caitlin clark in a south carolina jersey next year i mean yeah, she's the most right. she's the number one college athlete in the world right now is caitlin i mean that's the name everybody knows it's not you know who's the number Hunter Dickinson? He doesn't move. That nobody. I haven't even heard anything about Hunter Dickinson this Zach year. Zach Eady, I guess. No. I mean, no, there is. There's no one person or even two people that carries uh, that carries that kind of weight. Just Since like, Tim I mean, Tebow, I think is Caitlin Clark. You know, you kind of look back at that crazy. Even Johnny Manziel. You know, the last few. I mean, the last. She's she's the number one athlete in college sports right now. But what NIL has also done is create a level of opacity. You know, where you don't know where the money's coming from, how much. That person is getting, you know, they don't know what their market value is compared to the other players that they're also competing against on the court and off the field for for those sort of dollars. It's just there's this disconnect and there's a disconnect in the language that we use to describe what's happening here. If it's about the money on one aspect, it should also be okay for it to be about the money on the other side of it. It's just you need more openness about it. You know, with the Big Ten and the SEC, all these conferences, they're telling you how much money they're making from ESPN and ABC and Disney and CBS and NBC and all the alphabet soup. Those are coming out in press releases. You know how much the coaches are making because they're public universities. So if, if it's about the money on one aspect, I think it's okay if it's about the money on the other aspect. No matter how difficult it is to stomach it, you know, I mean, it, it, is, it isn't about how you feel about what players are making or how much they are making. It's about the players. It's not about the feelings of the fans. It's not about the uh, quote-unquote destruction of the tradition of college football. I think it's about rights. I think it's about if it's okay for one aspect of this to be about the money, well, then I think it's okay for the other aspect to be about the money because this is supposed to be a free market. Um, anyway, you know, Nick Saban, go ahead. Be the voice for change in college football. He's going to have quite a microphone to do it with. On ESPN, SEC Network, College Game Day, and it seems right now, I mean, he's the guy to go to for, for talking about change in college football. Well, 
I don't know. It looks like looks like he's the guy to do it. And then the other thing going on at Alabama right now, I don't know if you've seen about this. It's like there's a, I don't know if I could call it in this term, but almost a hostile takeover of the radio booth at Alabama football. We've had Eli Gold on the show before. Um, longtime voice of Alabama football. Did uh, NASCAR, MRN radio for years until I think he had a run-in with NASCAR and um, and they uh, left him out of the booth. Well, Alabama's now done the same thing to Eli Gold, who returned last year after fighting cancer for a full season. He did home games and the Iron Bowl at Auburn, but not the college football playoff because travel for Eli was a little bit difficult. But he says that he's healthy. He says he's as healthy as a horse. He says that he was told by Alabama that they are going in a different direction and that he's been replaced in the booth uh, in his, I think to him, unceremoniously. Uh, So... (laughs) You got uh, you got some angry fans in Alabama. You know the other side is that the guy that's replacing him, Chris Stewart, was the one who was doing the road games and did the full season of Alabama football while Eli was ill. Chris, of course, dealt with um, a really scary health situation a few years ago that nearly cost him his life. He did Alabama baseball for years. He's their current men's basketball broadcaster. He's a pro through and through, and and he's worked with Eli also hand-in-hand, so it just feels like a really, really awkward situation there where, you know, Alabama's made a decision to make a change in the booth, and... uh, and I think fans are both really upset about it because they have a, an emotional connection to Eli Gold the same way that a lot of our listeners have the same connection to, to, to all the great announcers through the years in Razorback history, Chuck and Mike and, and, uh, and Paul. Um, but then you have this guy that's also universally respected in Chris Stewart that will do a fantastic job in that booth. And as a radio person myself, I just, you know, I know that a lot of times these things are not pretty and they don't ever get pretty. They, they turn into controversies and that's what this feels like. Man, it's a, it's a fun business to be a part of. <laughs> yeah, it's cutthroat. Um, actually, I think when it comes it's, right down to it, it's it's like what I talk about going in at every level of ball. Uh, it, it it happens seventh grade to to tenth grade to college to the pros. Uh, you get injured, something happens, and somebody else you're you're very easy you're very easily repla- re- replaceable. No no question about it. Charlie's on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Good afternoon, Charlie. Good to know your phone is working. How are you? Man, it is for now. But I tell you what. I tell you what, Phil, they better not come try to replace Phil Elson, uh, Chuck Barrett, and any of, the, any of you guys out of – you, you want to see the tuna in orange? He ain't going to look good in orange, <laughs> if you know what I mean. The tuna does not want to be in orange. I'm not going to be yep. a happy tuna if it's that. Nothing's Go happening ahead. on our radio network. No, nothing's nothing's happening on the Razorback I network. Know it's we, not, all, we all hold hands and sing not. Kumbaya. But you never, I mean, who knows what happens in seven, eight years? I'm not trying to predict anything. It's just, this is just, it's just awkwardness. It's awkwardness. It's like when the Tigers replaced Bo Schembechler, that Bo Schembechler, the, the longtime Michigan legendary head coach, took over as the Tigers general manager for a year or as the team president. And one of the first things he did, moronically, was to remove Ernie Harwell from the radio booth. I mean, Ernie Harwell is on the short list of the greatest broadcasters of any kind in the history of the United States. And Schembechler just plucked him out of the booth, put somebody else in. <laughs> it was such a mistake he had to put him back in the next year. 
Um, these sort of things happen when people make decisions and they're paid to make decisions. It's just a, it, it's never something when it's someone that's as long, that, that has had such longevity as Eli and has been connected with so many great moments publicly. Uh, when it happens like this, it's just going to be ugly. But I wouldn't worry about any changes on the Razorback Network. That's not going to happen now. That, that's good. I, I just don't, you know, I <laughs> hope not. But change is part of it. And, Matt, I want to ask you something, man. I know you play a little bit uh, as far as gaming. I know a lot of people have decided that they are going to come out of retirement since college football is back this year. Uh, have you decided if you're going to play or what are you going to do? Are you going to come out of retirement? play a little NCAA football this year. You know, um, I need to, I, I'm with you. Let's, let's, let's get it. Let's, let's go get it. It feels like I haven't <laughs> played that game in a decade or so. It's been a while. Man, man, I, didn't realize this was, I didn't realize this was going to be a monumental decision that every uh, gamer had to make. I, I just kind of expected. Y'all have a good one, though, man. Y'all have a good one. Yeah, good to hear from you, Charlie. I just expected there was such a big cry out to get the, uh, the EA college football back that as soon as it's back, everybody's going to play it. It's more money for the kids. They uh, six hundred dollars to be exact. Six hundred dollars to to be on the game. So pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Would you have opted in if it was twenty years ago? Would you have opted in because this is it's each player's decision to do this? Would you have opted in for six hundred dollars and a copy of the game, which is worth seventy bucks? So essentially, in EA Sports' eyes, you're getting six hundred and seventy dollars to hand over your NIL to this game. I need a two-year subscription so I don't have to pay for the... I mean, it's still $100 to pay. Uh, I don't know what is it. It's 49 bucks a month or a quarter. It's still money just outside the game. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Dry January is over. Check out the new Valentine's Day specials like liquor-filled chocolates. They have Jack Daniels Store Pick Barrel and Willet Bourbon and Rye as well. Come by Eastside Liquor, 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now back to the podcast. Hey, let's take a call on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Scott in Alabama gave us a call at 877-377-6963. Afternoon, Scott. Appreciate your call. What's going on today? Hey, just trying to tell you are doing. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Phil. Y'all do a great show. I love you, show. I used to live in Harrison. I live down in Dothan now. Uh, I want to ask you about how the Gators, how you feel about the Gators. I mean, I'm Arkansas. I love Arkansas, but I'm a Gator fan. I've always been one. But uh, you talking about the basketball what you're team? About. They played a pretty good game against Alabama last night. I mean, that was a good game. Hey, they lost, but, you know, I guess he must be talking about down, the basketball team, Matt. Yeah. I have uh I have Florida as a as an outside team as uh, if you're looking at the SEC uh, I got Tennessee uh, number one I I have Florida right up there with with Alabama I think Florida's a team that athletically if they get it going the right spot they have a little depth and they have the athlete they get the right matchup that's a Sweet 16 team there's there's no question about Florida could be in the Sweet 16. Eight and five in the league, eighteen and eight overall, and uh, Florida coming off of a loss to Alabama. Did you see the elbow in the head 
I forget the name of the Alabama player that apparently delivered this, an elbow in the head that's getting replayed on social media over and over again, and I think Alabama's got a little something to answer for here. Uh, Florida got Vanderbilt and Missouri next, so they've got the same schedule as Arkansas for the next two games. Then at Carolina, uh, Gators get Alabama again in Gainesville. Man, they got a couple of uh, they got a couple of home and homes over the last two weeks. Two with Alabama, two with Vanderbilt. You know, you're looking at a team right now that has what do you got Florida at right now? You got them at 18 wins. There's there's two wins for them waiting right there against Vanderbilt. There's another one waiting for them against Mizzou. That's 21. Let's say you split Alabama at home, Carolina on the road, 22 wins. Yeah, you're, you're looking at a team that may end up getting into the SEC tournament, 22 victories, and then uh, the ability to make some noise after that. So if you, were to, if you were to have tiers of SEC teams right now, Matt, Alabama, top of the list. I, I, I got I to check and see the name of the kid who did this. Yeah, no, I actually have Tennessee as the best team in the SEC. I, I know what you're saying with the rankings, Tennessee. What, what's what's going on? But if if I had a neutral site game, if and, and we might see it at the SEC tournament, I think Tennessee is the best team in the. That's that's, and I get it. Alabama has has one more win uh, than, than than Tennessee. So I guess in theory, Alabama is they're the number one team in the SEC. But neutral site game, I would have Tennessee. I would that that's who I'd go with. So look at this here. This says Muhammad. I might be saying his name incorrectly. Wagyu or Wag, who drops an elbow uh, onto the head of a Florida player. If you just look it up on on social media, Twitter, whatever, type in Alabama elbow, and you'll see exactly the play that I'm talking about. And it really is. I mean, this is this is ugly. This is kind of disgusting. It is. You can see him as he's going to the ground for a loose ball, deliver an elbow with a chopping move onto the top of this this uh, Florida player's head. It's not an accident. It's not in. It's not in um, motion of diving on for the basketball. I mean, this this elbow was deliberate. And as I understand, I think Florida ended up with the foul here. But this has to go. This has to be reviewed by the league office. And this number eleven for Alabama. And I mean, he obviously, I don't think he should be playing for the rest of the season. That is a vicious elbow delivered to an opponent's head, right the back of his neck, man. I mean, you, you can cause a lot of damage right there. That's terrible. But then again, sometimes I mean, I don't know what to expect out of out of a Nate Oates program. Truthfully. That's what I was going to say. Didn't Nate Oates? He he's been putting his uh, his hands on the other team's players. Um, I don't know. That's the that's the, maybe that's the other thing with Alabama is is I don't know how much you trust them when it gets to term tournament tournament time. Being the being well, in the I NCAA mean, I, tournament. I, I know who I'm rooting against. I know I know exactly. If I were to pick, if there's one, if there's a villain, if there is a villain school in the SEC when it comes to basketball. I think it's Alabama. You know, you could have your feelings about Kentucky, you know, but and I think that's more because, you know, uh, the amount of uh, money they pour into it, that the coach can be, uh, you know, out there in front of you and everything. They didn't throw uh, number 11 out you know, of the game? yesterday, LSU storms. 
I don't think they don't they think threw Debo. They threw Debo. Well, that's this is ridiculous. And they threw. I just saw the play film. They threw. You De- saw this play now, right? They just they threw Debo out of the game because he jumped up to to shoot a shot and a bigger guy there. So he just kind of reaches his leg out with no malicious intent. That was that was malicious right there. That kid, a hundred percent. That's assault. That's not a. What where in basketball is that? How you? That's not cool at all. He. Sh- there's no way that kid should be playing. Uh, at least two games. I think. I think when I saw that, my initial thing is he's out of that game and misses two more. How does that not get reviewed in the game in and of itself? Why is this? Why does this have to be something that gets reviewed by the league office afterwards? This was open. This was right there on the court. Um, sometimes it feels like you get officials that are inventing fouls when they happen or inventing contact when it's not there. This is right there in front of three officials. I guess they just weren't paying attention at that moment. And did anybody, I, again, I'm not watching this game. Where Did anybody get them to go watch the replay? If you watch the replay, all you got to do is just look at this kid's arm, Muhammad's arm coming down on him. If you do that in football, you're getting thrown out of the game. You do if 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 that were to happen if that was a first baseman coming down on the, on the back of a runner's head we have on a, purpose he wouldn't play for the next month. Didn't we have a guy in in uh, the Missouri game at home last year hit somebody like that and got thrown out of the game? It, it seemed on the football team. So t- to your point, uh, yeah, that was that was malicious. There's that's there's no room for anything like that. That that, that there's no room for anything like that in college basketball. It's egregious, man. I mean, this is egregious. I got under- I didn't understand the idea of, you know, sometimes you get undercut uh, going for a rebound, and nobody necessarily meant it. I mean, it's a, it's not a violent sport in the same way that football is. There's a lot of incidental contact. There are elbows that get thrown when you didn't mean to throw elbows, but you also know that when elbows go up, something can happen. This wasn't just elbows up. I'm going after the ball. This wasn't like an inadvertent high stick in hockey because you're trying to deflect a puck or something like that and you catch the player's face. This is an, an open, egregious, violent act. And the word that you use to describe it, Matt, is exactly the right word. It's assault. It's, it's assault. He looked at him and the then guy, reaches I, hand and hits him as hard as he can. It's like, whoa. Yeah, that's 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 got to be something that's taken care of and taken care of now. Uh, Greg Sankey, get in on that, man. <laughs> do something about it. You got to do something about it. Otherwise, you can't you can't just let this. Go- I mean, they're not going to let it go. There's no way you're going to let it go. There's an outcry about it right now. So it's just another reason to root against Alabama basketball. Who would have ever felt? Who would have ever realized you would have felt this way about Alabama basketball? Out of all the programs in the SEC or across the country. I would have thought to be rooting against Alabama football, but no, I found myself rooting for Alabama in the playoff because, <laughs> because I don't know why I was rooting for him. It wasn't because they were the SEC, but I just, I, I, just, I pulled for them a little bit. In, in this case, man, I know exactly who to root against. I don't feel like that about any other program in college sports outside of maybe Ole Miss baseball and Vanderbilt baseball, but that's just because they're cutesy and annoying and have all these goofy little antics that that just are designed to annoy, and they do exactly that. So they're good at what they do. In this case, I think you have a program that um, almost views themselves above the law in in some cases. Um, I mean, nothing. Did anything happen to Oates when he put his hands on that Mizzou player? Anything at all out, outside of just an outcry? I don't think anything happened from that. 
So if you have an instance of a coach putting hands on an opposing player and nothing coming from it, again, this is the same idea that I'm bringing up earlier, like in college football, Saban saying, you know, well, we've lost the educational aspect of it. It's more about what can, how much money can I make in college? Well, you have the example set for you by, by school presidents, by league commissioners and coaches to make as much money as you possibly can for that institution, for yourself. So then what's wrong if the players are doing that? Now you have an instance of an example being set of a coach putting his hands on a player. Was it violent? Not necessarily, but it's something you're not supposed to do, and you know that going in. So when the example is set by the adult, how can we be surprised when the student follows suit in a way that's even worse and doesn't expect to get any repercussions from it? Yeah, the you know they, they say the players take on the identity of the coach, and it's the truth. The, the coaches are the leaders of, of these young men. And, and how you act, that's, how, that's what they're looking at. They look how you carry yourself, how you go about it, and uh, they, they, it, it, it does. It's, it, fall, it starts and ends with the coach, no, no question about it. We set an example as parents with, with everything we do around our kids. If, if, I, if I, as a father, uh, tell my – and I had this conversation with her the other day. They have a little trouble sleeping sometimes, my kids – and I was like, well, you know, you're on your phone a lot during the day. Um, maybe that's got a little something to do with it. You know, it might not necessarily be like the blue light going into your eyes. You might have a little bit too much social media in your mind, and it's making you a little uh, just jumpy about life. Um, but, but her answer was, look at you. And she wasn't, being, she wasn't being nasty about it. I have my phone with me when I'm around the kids, too, sometimes. I'm setting the example in that case. You got you to put yourself, you got to step outside your body every once in a while and realize um, the, the things that you do when you're around the impressionable, impressionable people who view you in a certain way as a leader. If I'm their father, I'm, I'm a leader to them. Nate Oates is a leader to every player on that Alabama team. And he sets an absolutely horrendous example uh, times when he opens his mouth to defend a player who had no business uh, being in that situation last year uh, where the young lady was murdered and then he sets the example himself of putting his hands on his player, on somebody else's player, nothing coming from it. Nothing coming from it at, at all. So it, it's funny too, Matt, because we'll, we'll bring up the idea of you just said it too. The coach sets the tone in the locker room. Players follow that lead. So often we view that in the positive way. Like a Dave Van Horn coached baseball team is always going to be tough because he portrays that to them. He, he communicates those things about what it takes to be a tough player and all the drills that you're working on and really the rhythm to that season sort of builds you towards being that tough player and you get another bunch of tough players around you, all of a sudden you got a team that's resilient and can bounce back. Well, you know what? It works in the other direction, too, and not necessarily in the direction that you lose games, but in the direction where you don't know how to be a proper human being on a basketball court. That's what I saw there with this play. Uh, you, would, you would think that if Coach uh, Oates had any respectability or had any character at all, he would come out and, and, and suspend his player and say, that's not Alabama basketball. That's not what I'm teaching these kids. Like that would have been the first thing that should have already happened today is that's this is not acceptable way and this is not what we coach. This is not what we teach. And, and the kid wouldn't be, you know, do the self-imposed thing. That would be the commendable thing to do.
but I don't think he's going to do that. Yeah, but unfortunately, of course, you, of course you don't, because we have the track record of what's been in front of us for these past couple of years. So why would you think anything differently? I wouldn't. I mean, it's an athletic department where a baseball coach, uh, gam- you know, basically gambled for somebody else, got fired. Uh, you had a basketball coach who doesn't care if his players are violent or not. Um, it's an interesting plan, and they fire a, a, a radio legend. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. Hickey and Hole Law Partners are now here for you and all your legal needs in MENA and the Little Rock area. Hickey and Hole Law Partners specializing in divorce, custody cases, civil litigations, and more. Having over seven decades of combined experience to better serve you and the community you live in. Please visit KevinHickeyLaw.com or call us at 479-434-2414 for a consultation or come by an office nearest you. Things are about to get better. Talking with Brett Dolan uh, from, let's see, Perfect Game, Touchdown Radio, Razorback Sports Network, and maybe even this weekend, Brett, Flow Sports. Is that true? (laughs) Uh, It is true, but it's not the Flow Sports where you're going to be at at Arlington. Uh, It'll be in Corpus Christi, but uh, I'll enjoy a trip to South Texas and a little bit of side work with a rare sort of off weekend. Okay, so what what teams do you have uh, where where you're headed in, in your part of Texas, further south than where I'll be? Yeah, four teams. Two of them were regional teams last year in Washington and Maryland. Got the Pitt Panthers and then A and M Corpus Christi. So it's two games today: Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then I'll try and sneak out Sunday night. So hopefully, you know, I'm outdoor baseball while you're indoor baseball this weekend. So hopefully, the uh, weather will cooperate just fine, and and I can see six games to. Uh, kind of really crank up this college baseball season. You ready for all 10 big fans of Pitt baseball to complain about the Flow Sports <laughs> connection? Because you know they will. Let me say this. like Growing up in Pittsburgh and as a baseball fanatic, I don't even know if I was aware that Pitt had a baseball program. So it's good to know that they still play it there. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll know a little more this weekend. Uh, I was at my son's game in Houston the other day, and I was doing a Zoom call with three of their coaches in the middle of it. So it, hopefully my notes make sense to me. But uh, we'll fire it up tomorrow. But uh, I'll be trying to keep an eye on what you've got rolling in, in Arlington as well because it'll be a fun weekend for the Hawks. Hey, we've got the, I've got the better game. There's no doubt about that. In fact, I think I have the best game in all of college baseball tomorrow, Arkansas versus Oregon State. It's too bad we can't have a three-game series with these two teams. Well, who knows? Maybe we'll see them again in a few months. Well, you could. That's a good team, Phil. And, again, I, I spoke with Mitch Cannon for about 20 minutes last week. And, of course, he was a manager, right, with uh, the Travs not that long ago before he went back to uh, college baseball and, and former Beaver grade. And I think he played for the Naturals. But, uh He's got a great team. This Travis Bazana guy, you're going to love him, if not fear him. And it's a veteran team. I think they had eight guys walk about 25 times or more last year, so very patient. So hopefully Hagen Smith can throw strikes and and have a nice bounce back. We know how good he is, how good he's going to be. That first appearance and the first inning 
really wasn't Hagen-like. So it'll be a really good test and a great game for you Friday night. Brett, what do you think these teams are trying to accomplish uh, during during this tournament down there in Arlington? You know, trying to fill each other out, uh, trying to go out there and play well. What do you think kind of their mission is this weekend? No, I think it's a good question and a good thought process, Matt. I mean, obviously the easy question is you'd like to get some wins. Now, if Arkansas gets a win against a really good Oregon State team Friday, I think they feel like they should probably go 3-0. and But, you know, the one thing I like about Dave Van Horn is he will mention sometimes you're going to lose games early in the year, and those losses hopefully will benefit you in some capacity going forward. I think Arkansas learned a lot about themselves last year when they played in that tournament, and it was a different weekend. It was the very first weekend of the year. They got to see a few pitchers emerge. Gage Wood gave us a little bit of a glimpse. Uh, they also got to see that there were things to work on, like holding runners and not letting teams run them off the field. It, it was also the first weekend of the new pitch clock, so it was a little different, but I think they came out of that better because it's nice to play James Madison and whatnot or maybe nice to play McNeese or Murray State, but I don't know if you do much more than gain some at-bats and a little bit of confidence. You truly find out something about your team. And then it has a regional feel, too. When you've got to prepare for three different teams in, in a weekend, Arkansas does a great job of scouting and preparing and having charts and, and graphics on what they want to do for hitters. But it does kind of force you into that mode that you're going to see in Hoover and later on in the year just to kind of get used to preparing for a lot of different teams rather than just one. Well, and and I think, you know, when you look at this last weekend against James Madison, it doesn't. The loss doesn't bother me because it, what it does is it shows you the things that you, you're trying to clean up right now, and it's little things. You know, I mean, look, there are going to be games you don't knock runners home from third base or second base. That just happens in baseball. Uh, some of the other games they hit well when it came into the clutch, but it was some of those. And it's like you say the small things in baseball. The things about fundamentals in baseball, Brett, are all about the value of one base and in the field on the bases this past Sunday. There were too many mistakes, too many bases they gave up, and I just don't. That this is this is a team that is going to be fundamentally sound, just because that's something Dave always focuses on, and they're focused on it immediately because that's why they lost on Sunday. Little things like cutting a ball off when it shouldn't have been cut off, uh, the wrong person fielding a bunt, things like that. These are things you can clean up really, really easily. No, I would agree. And when you think back to the team that finished last year, Kendall Diggs was in right field, and Peyton Holt was playing second base. But for the most part, it's an entirely different cast of characters. Now they're accomplished. Some are transfers. Others were in this program. But it's different people in different spots. And I don't care how much you scrimmage against yourselves. It's different when you play a real team. When you're not playing the ones versus the twos at a scrimmage or if Dave mixes and matches his starters, when you have that lineup out there for a few games, they need to play together. And we saw three left fielders and three different catchers in, in a four-game series. So there's still some things in play, but Holt played a couple of games at second and then at third. And then you've got, obviously, a shortstop who's playing in weather he's never played in before. You've got a couple of first basemen. You know, you've got so many different moving parts. And that's where I think this test is just a different weight class. And if they come out of it, having gathered a few things from last week that they didn't do well, like rundowns and cutoffs and whatnot. It really sets them up, I think, for a, for a pretty good opportunity to head into a conference play in a few weeks with a head of steam. Hey, Brett, I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about some SEC basketball. Did you see uh, the kid from Alabama? Phil just brought this up uh, when, it, when he kind of went down with his fist uh, against the Florida kid. 
I just saw a little bit of, yeah, you know, I heard you guys talking and I popped on the old uh, social media chain and, and took a look at it. Um, I tell you what, nothing's dull in this SEC, right? Oh, exactly. Exactly. I, because for some reason, I didn't know if you were on the call uh, when when Devo got kicked out. I believe that was the Georgia game, Phil. I, I'm trying to. It, it was a it was a month and a half ago, but it was there was no maliciousness there, you know. And they kicked him out of the game. How did they miss that? How do you miss that? Because when I first saw it, I thought the kid should be gone for at least at least out of this game in the next two games. I do too, and, and probably going back to that Devo thing, and maybe it, it adds to what you're talking about. You know, when you, when you think about what took place with, with Evo getting thrown out of the game, I, I think it's hard to legislate intent. You know, they're like, there was a blow to the face or there's a blow to the groin, whatever it is. That's what happened. And, and usually there has to be some type of punishment. It's hard to say, well, I didn't think he meant to do it or he didn't want to do it. You know, it happened and it, and it took place. And that's why I think this situation was a little bit unusual because, again, whether you're legislating intent as a referee or not, there was a blow. There was a shot, and there should, feels like there should be some type of repercussions for that. But there's a track record for this kid. It's like the same idea yeah. as, as Grayson <laughs> Allen. You just started looking for the kid to be stepping on somebody. I mean, there's football players that have had this kind of uh, track record. Pitchers who are known as headhunters, or, or or baseball players that are known to slide in spikes up, uh, or or take out in a middle infielder in a in a dirty way. I mean, they, these things follow you, and so you have to start looking for it. And so for, for this kid, this is the second time he's done this. Second time he's done this, which means you have to sit for an appreciable amount of time. But don't, don't, expect, don't expect Nate Oates to do anything about it. Like that right there is a man like, I am not interested in what he thinks about college sports at all. At all. I don't want to hear his opinion about college sports. He's become the Jerry Tarkanian, I think, of, of this modern era. You know, there's probably a couple of other guys. Maybe you could throw in that mix. And I'm with you. I think the Grayson Allen comparison is a good one because we saw officials, at least it felt like to me, that they were calling games anticipating he might do something stupid, not waiting to see if it happened. But you, you stop giving a kid the benefit of the doubt. And then in this mind or this, this world we live in now, when you go home and you flip on Sports Center, you open up your phone, you start to understand who these guys are, even if you're not officiating their games, even if you're just a fan. And once somebody gets a reputation, it's hard to turn that battleship around. And that's where I, I think some of these kids, you know, you don't give them the benefit of the doubt because you've seen it before. You've seen it in person. You've seen it on television or on social media. Brett, I think there's three teams right now when I look at the SEC that I, I think, man, that, that team could go to the Final Four. Uh, g- give me one or two teams you like in the SEC right now that you think are just top of the class. And maybe it's because I saw Tennessee in person the other day and, and what they did at, at Bud Walton because the Razorbacks men's team has played a little bit better really for the last couple of weeks with the exception of what Tennessee did to them. Um, and, and then this was a question I think we started kicking around a while back because it looked like the SEC is going to get in a really big number of teams. But for me, it becomes, well, who can get to the second weekend? Who can make a run at the Final Four? Auburn's looked pretty good at times, but they've been a little befuddling to me. And I had them in person a, a year ago for a couple of games early in the season, and it felt like there was something missing, not big, but something, maybe a score or whatnot. Tennessee, I think, could, could probably do it. Alabama's a hard team to gauge, as we talked about. They don't play a ton of defense at times. And then I feel like maybe there's one more. But, you know, a month ago or two months ago, you'd probably throw Kentucky into that conversation, and that's clearly not the case because they just continue to – to struggle and lose some games that I think you probably felt like going in, they were going to win. But it feels like Tennessee's a, a team that has both scoring and, and some guard play and some bigs. Um, and, and I'll kind of be curious to see what type of draw they get 
uh, in that tournament, you know, you can get a nice couple of opening match or opening round games that really propels you forward, maybe for a chance to win two the next weekend and, and get to Phoenix. Hey, hey, Brent, uh, what, what was your thought when you heard about uh, Eli Gold uh, essentially being relieved of duties as uh, Alabama football radio play-by-play? You know, the, the way I think about this is, you know, independent of the decision that Alabama has made here and where Eli is in his career, because it doesn't say he, he's not retiring. He said he's got an opportunity in professional sports. He's going to announce it tomorrow. Um, you never know when it's going to happen. And, and probably you're never ready for it. Like It is the rare broadcaster um, who gets to decide when he or she is ready to step aside. Because there's always someone waiting in the background who wants that job, and a lot of times there's somebody who's willing to give him or her that job. So that's what I take from this. You never know when, when, the, when the thing that you love is, is, could be taken away from you. And it's getting harder and harder. I think we've seen that in Major League Baseball. A couple of 24-year-olds got jobs that, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit different than it was five or ten years ago. I would say what, what I thought, Phil, was that for the most part, college voices on radio usually get a better opportunity to kind of call their shots because they become so synonymous with their programs and their voice becomes synonymous with their teams. And, and for Eli, now I know he's missed road games and whatnot in recent years, but I kind of thought if his health was fine, he might keep going for you know, several more years. Um, I saw him at the end of the Iron Bowl last year and just sat down with him after that crazy finish and had a nice five- or ten-minute conversation with me. And it felt like he was healthy. It felt like he was enjoying what he was doing and was probably happy to be back after it was taken away from him for a while. So little bit surprised by that and then you know i think he was just 70 years old i mean if had he been 76 or 77 and the university said maybe it's time for you to stop traveling or there's a concern but it was it was certainly a surprise for me You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com this podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.